0: Right, so right, your your socks that have your name on them, right, and all the things that you like, thrown, thrown inside of you. that sock. They're thrown. <laughs> gets thrown in a washing machine.
1: Hello and welcome to Inconclusive, the podcast where we randomly select topics and argue about them. Coming up, Inconclusive. My name is James.
2: My name is Abigail. And my name is Candice. All three of us are educators at an international school in Taiwan and bring wildly different perspectives to the table.
0: It is important to note that our individual opinions do not necessarily reflect those of our employer.
1: Okay, let's begin.
0: Hello, and welcome back to the Inconclusive Podcast. Heyo! Today we are going to be finishing our series on information today's topic is going to be about data and data collection so to start us off i'm going to define some terms the first term i'm going to define is data and data is just basically any of your information it doesn't have to necessarily be online information it's just could be anything about you so data about you could be your height or your hair color, but it could also be your phone number or your email address. It can be in any kind of form. So I have some specific to this topic like terms to define as well. So the first one is, um data mining. So data mining is when people are discovering patterns in large data sets. So people going through or AI going through and looking at large groups like of trends. And yeah. And and setting um yeah, trends or predicting things that are gonna mm-hmm. happen in the future. That's data mining. That's
1: how weather forecasts work?
0: Yeah. Oh, that's helpful. Yeah. And also a lot of like scientific discoveries are done through data mining as well, where they Mm. process information that they're getting from like um, telescope pictures about planets and they're looking for like the positions of things and they see the patterns or what's going to happen to predict something that'll happen. It doesn't have to necessarily do with our personal data. So the next term is data brokerage. And data brokerage is a, the collection of an individual's information from public records and private sources, um, and like social media or your driving record. Those are, That's data brokerage. So if someone can find information about you and then uh, collect it into some sort of a database that will be then mined, that would be data brokerage.
2: So if we were doing a metaphor for this, data mining would be going to a mine that has diamonds in it and going and searching for those diamonds within the mine. And you know that they're all there and so you're trying to find them. Whereas data brokerage would be you breaking into someone's house or looking around for an open door on their house to find their jewelry box and see if they have any diamonds.
0: Yes. Okay. Um, but I think maybe less of a, v- of a violent... Connotation, maybe okay. being like, "Hey, I was at Candace's house, and I saw that she her jewelry box was, you know, um, right above her bed, and mm-hmm. in it she had three diamond necklaces. Just so you know, yeah. um, Is it that like would like digital gossip.
1: Like, who I heard that? <laughs> <laughs> no, not
0: oh. not so much. It's like." Um, it would be more like it's fact, right so sure. I, I can see from James's Facebook profile that he is married, so that information gets set to a data set that James Taylor mm. who lives in okay. this city is married, and now it's in this pool
1: sure.
0: um, also is it so it's not anonymous but is it sold We'll get to that okay that will, we will come to that Okay. the short answer is yes um,
1: so so data mining is using the pool of data to form to Figure out patterns. Yes. And then data brokerage is the act of pulling someone's personal data and putting it into the pool
0: to be mined. To be mined. Yes. Got it. Yes. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So which brings us into this next term of digital assets. Okay, so a digital asset is anything that is in a binary format. Okay, so when you are doing stuff digitally for um, anyone who doesn't know, it goes into a binary code, and that's how it exists in the ethers of the internet. So anything that is digital is converted to binary code. So your digital. Asset is anything that's already in a binary binary code or that you put into a binary code. That would be digital documents. That would be any audible content. That would be um, movies. Any digital data is a digital asset. Like anything you
1: type. Anything. Anything you write.
0: Any pictures. Yeah, any sure. your banking information. All of that is a digital asset. So it's Fun not times. necessarily
2: things that you're creating, but rather that you're inputting. So it could, like, but, your bank account, you didn't make up your number or start the but bank. But it's attached
0: to you. Right. So it is your... So my banking information is my digital asset. Right. Right? Which would and, then be
2: data brokerage if someone took that asset, right?
0: Yes. Okay. Okay. So the other thing with digital assets is it is already in circulation, so it already exists, or stuff that will be stored on digital appliances. So it's de- your digital assets could be in the cloud if it's not on your computer or on your device. So... Yeah.
1: Or on a floppy disk. Or on a floppy you know, disk. Back in the day.
0: If you are floppy
1: disks cool were enough to have one. Shout out to people who know what floppy disks are. So. 10 megabytes. <laughs> Sorry.
0: So the next term that kind of goes in with all of this is the term big data. And big data is something that we hear about, I think, a lot or relatively frequently, and it's used I think as kind of a scare tactic sometimes, like, oh, be careful of big data, and big data's out there, right? But big, all big data is is a large amount of information that is hard to store or analyze. So it's just, when you have a ton of stuff, like a ton of the information from a large group of people, and you need to mine it to be able to make it useful, mm-hmm. right? It, it's just big data. So that's nothing necessarily pro or con. It's just when there's a large pool of information. All right. So with all of that terms defined, what are you guys thinking so far?
2: It sounds like there's going to be some misuse of these items <laughs> that we have discussed. It, But I think that from what it sounds like, these are all things that at some point we as people agreed to and then now we're looking back and realizing when we agreed to all of those terms and conditions lists, then together they made this giant beast of a thing that could know us intimately without us really thinking about it. That's what it sounds like it's going to be.
1: Yeah, it sounds, sounds about right. I feel like it sounds like a potential breach of one's sense of privacy potentially not being aware of where your information is going and how it's being used. I think it's, yeah, kind of what Candace said about terms and conditions and all that stuff, where we just scroll to the bottom and click I accept. Mm. And um, I think at one at one point, uh, we all, in order to benefit from using internet and benefiting from data, it's not a free exchange, like Facebook may be free to use, but... Mm-hmm. You know, the price we pay is our personal data, which Facebook uses for, you know, our ad- advertisements and all that kind of stuff. So interesting. Looking forward to talking about this. Yeah. It's going to be cool.
0: So I think one thing that's really hard to deny, and I think you kind of brought up a little bit when you're talking about terms and conditions, is that the internet has totally changed our lives, right? Mm -hmm. Like thinking back, what, now 40 years ago, um, our social connections, finding jobs, even dating, but stocks trading, health management, all of that has been completely changed by the internet. There's also a um, influx
2: of mental health um, diagnoses, post 2012 2013 the people say is because of the increase in social media usage that it's it's caused like middle schoolers who are now getting social media accounts in fifth fourth grade even maybe before middle school and then they develop all sorts of mental health problems of
0: a lot of anxiety, anxiety body image issues body image depression
2: yeah. all sorts I mean, addiction
1: of access to things that yeah kids really shouldn't be seeing
0: yeah all kinds of like stuff. Like all
1: of Netflix. <laughs> Just kidding.
0: <laughs> Throwing shade at Netflix. <laughs> please don't. Netflix, please do not cancel my account because I know that you're listening. Um, Big data. <laughs> so, another way to kind of think of our digital assets is that we leave data trails literally everywhere we go. Mm. So, um, no matter what you do, there are, you leave data trails. In fact, interestingly enough, if you look at your on your on your app on your phone, like your Facebook app, um, it has it automatically starts with a, a pot, like a four sharing location services, and you can go there and you can look, and it will show you a map down to the minute of where you've been along the area, unless you've already turned off your your um, location services. But it's not just Facebook; it's also Google does the same Google thing. Google Maps, yeah. Google Maps yeah. does the same thing, but also. Um, Apple, the company itself, does it as well. So if you have a, a Apple or Android or a Fitbit does it or um, Facebook, which is Instagram is owned by Facebook. So Instagram, too, all of these things are tracking your location, which is just one form of data. Right.
2: Two thoughts about this. One. Um, I just read a book called Invisible Women, the, the Data Bias in the World Today, and in uh, it talked about how Apple has been under fire multiple times because of completely disregarding or forgetting about women in its uh, data study. And uh, for example, Siri and other voice controlled um, apps that followed after Siri, um, it was made using men in the tech industry, which was mostly dominated by men. And so their voices were uh, programmed into Siri. So Siri, uh, like, recognizes male voices vastly better than she does female voices. She, being a robot, it it doesn't recognize female there is voices. There's a person
1: that recorded the voice of Siri.
2: Yeah, yeah. But, and, and it's a she, so... It is a she, but the, ro- the machine is not yeah, gendered. Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> but she, like whenever she hears uh, uh, people that, that are women asking for things, people have been told, have like whenever Apple does support for it, then, and women call in about it, then uh, they'll tell them just have a man do the, the Google or do the programming for you. They've like multiple different uh, tech support. People have had testimonies of that where they said, ask a man or lower your voice to, to a lower octave so that she'll recognize it.
0: Personal data, the stuff that follows us around, is an asset, and it really should be belonging to us, right? It's our, it should be our asset, it's our data, it's our information.
1: And on that, let's take a quick break.
0: Hello, welcome to Currently Reading with Abigail. Today's book is The Alchemist by Paolo Coelho. This beautiful story follows a young Andalusian shepherd boy named Santiago who travels from his homeland in Spain to the Egyptian desert in search of a treasure supposedly buried near the Great Pyramids. Along the way, he meets a gypsy woman, a man who calls himself a king, and an alchemist, all of whom point Santiago in the direction of his quest. No one knows what the treasure is or if Santiago will be able to surmount the obstacles in his path. But what starts out as a journey to find worldly goods turns into a discovery of the treasure found within. Dazzling, powerful, and deeply humane, Santiago's story is an eternal testament to the transforming power of our dreams and the importance of listening to our hearts. See you next time. ¶¶ welcome back. We were just talking about some of the terms that we needed for data, and we had talked about how personal data um, should be our own asset. It belo- it should belong to us. And Candace had something to say. That connects to what I was thinking of
2: because uh, after COVID uh, became a thing in Taiwan, there were uh, a couple of different times when there was a, a concern of a wave of new cases because of um, the that one uh, cruise line that came into Taipei. And then at one point diamond. there was
1: like... Wait, is that the Diamond? Yeah. Diamond Princess?
2: Diamond Princess. And they were, they were matching where everyone went and asking mm. for where you were at certain times. And I made a conscious decision to keep my Google Maps location settings on so that it could keep a timeline of everywhere I go just in case I get COVID so that I could just give it to the government and not have to worry about, oh, I don't know where I was at nine o'clock on mm-hmm. a Sunday night. And that feels like a kind of silly but also b I was I just wanted to make sure that if something happened since it's such a long incubation period yeah. for it I wanted to be able to give help even though I've got it and would have given it to people but it, that's
0: and that kind of ties into it being your own personal thing it you would have made the choice right. to log your information using you know your device but you were making the choice to have it logged so that way you on your own could then provide it to the government right
1: so, just on this example, why do you guys think our location history is personal?
2: Mm. I actually because like,
1: people like if I see you somewhere, then I know your location history, right? Like if I kept a log of every time I saw you,
2: people would consider that stock. That would though, be considered kind of log. creepy, right?
1: <laughs> but like you appear there, right? right? And is that like I guess how transparent. Can our behavior and our locations be?
0: I just recently was listening to this great story that kind of details that point. Um, So first of all, I don't assume you to be nefarious, a nefarious person. Good word. It's a hard word. Thanks. But the um, story that I'm going to talk about kind of has to do with a little bit of of, uh, nefarious activity. So this man was getting worried. This a this really happened it was in early 2010s i can't remember um where, and I can't remember the exact date, but it's like a public thing, you know, you could look it up. But this guy was worried that his wife was cheating on him. So he got the information from her phone, which is legal because he was, you know, joint paying the bill. So he got her location services for the phone, was able to track every single place that she was, which he was able to cross-check with Fitbit's information location, including heart rate and steps taken... And all of that stuff found out exactly the location, when and how often he was she was sleeping with someone else because of all of that information together. Oh, my God. Now, that's like private
1: (laughs) detective for hire. Wow.
0: (laughs) But not but not really. It was easily accessible information. It took him one day to be able to put it all together. And he was, you know, he was correct. Um, Now, that would be privacy going for like. Something that is not illegal, but maybe not morally good, right? It's not a morally good thing to cheat on your spouse. If
1: you use that same process to do something like track someone down that you were... (laughs) Yeah, like hunt someone down. Right, yeah. right. You could okay. you
0: could do it for you. It, yeah, yeah. It could be done in a in a less terrible. Or if someone's not doing something terrible, it could be done against them too.
1: So, do you think it would be the same issue if someone did like? So, I'm imagining a world before the internet, mm-hmm. where you could still that track existed? people in a way like scent. Like you could have a dog catch the scent of someone, and then you can collect DNA samples that people drop here and there. So, like. Is the I mean, I know it's super creepy, but I don't I don't I don't know.
2: But I think like with the dog example and the, the uh DNA example, those are both things that so those are not voluntary. They're not voluntary, and they're not. Well, um, some people
1: smell the way they smell because it's a voluntary decision. True,
2: but they're they're also not entirely accurate 100 of the time. There's sure, a reason that dogs true. have to be trained, and sometimes they're wrong. Yeah. And mm-hmm. DNA, there's okay. still like Quality. problems with DNA collection. You could frame somebody using DNA collection. You could collect some of their spit and put it somewhere if you mm-hmm. wanted to, or grab a hair unwillingly from them and put it somewhere. There's that's. I a think plot you could do that with sometimes. data
1: too, right? If you get hacked, someone could. Do something on your behalf and make it seem like you did it. Yes, yeah, and yeah. but like
2: with location settings, I think that it's the same problem of you you unwittingly could could unwittingly be giving information that could get used against you. I sure. think that's the line. Got
0: it. And I think with that, we have this um, maybe misconception sometimes that privacy is um, if you're doing we're told a lot. That if you have nothing to hide, if you're doing good, Mm. you have nothing to hide, it shouldn't matter, right? Right. But it's not even just that someone could follow you around and catch you doing something wrong. It's that... Google and Apple and Fitbit are actively profiting off of your location services. They're able to sell those locations. Oh, I see that you went to Target, so I'm going to make sure that you're getting Target ads. And Target is buying the ads to people who are going to Target, so you're spending money at and Target. And you get a
1: coupon, mm. so then right. you save some money. Wait, I mean,
0: it's not... It isn't always... Is a business always, that we
1: don't all
2: love already?
0: I, I guess I want I want to go Taco back Bell. and say that I don't think that it's always used at our worst interest. Mm. But sure. it is, in a sense, us being robbed. We're being Our data is being stolen and sold, and we're not profiting off of that at all, even mm. though it's our information for the things that we are doing. But
1: we are profiting off of it by benefiting from the services that Google and Apple provide. That's how we personally profit, from having Google Maps, having an iPhone.
0: So I mean, our- we don't have
1: to have any of those things, right? So it's a...
0: Oh, go sure. ahead. Sorry. I'm sorry. I mean, for,
1: I feel like f- the way I view it, it's it's an exchange, right? Like Google, I would like to benefit from using Google Maps. And knowing that, you know where I go. And I leave reviews of places. So you know if I liked the restaurant I went to last night, you know? And I put pictures up there, leave reviews for other people who want to go to certain places. So I feel like it's always an exchange. And I don't know if it's fair to say that we don't profit we don't profit monetarily from it but we profit convenience
0: mm-hmm.
1: and access to data information
0: so we are now in 2020 actually as early as i think 2000 and fifteen I would be really comfortable saying we've started to live in a world where not having a digital footprint is actually more harmful than good. And it can affect us socially and culturally and the way that we connect with people and the way that we do things, the way that we can work and all things. Do you mean inconvenient
1: things. or do you mean actually harmful? I
0: mean actually harmful. Like oh. there it can harm your mental okay. So let's just let's just take it a step back. Sure. If you send an email for work, that is putting data Di- You're one of your digital assets, okay? Mm-hmm. So, all right, I don't want to have a digital footprint anymore. I'm no longer going to use my email. Can you know you no longer can have a job, right? Or you can no longer effectively have a job. Mm. Okay, I don't want to have a digital footprint anymore, so I'm not going to use my phone because I know that it's tracking my services, but I still want to hang out with Candace. So I've got to be at her house when she is there to knock on the door to be able to find her and hope that she's actually at home to then go do something together because I can't text her. Mm. And if we set something up in person later, I can't be late or else she'll leave. We can't text when we're gone. And, and she might be someone who is now busy to sure. want to go do other things or with people who are talking to her, right? Hashtag Rather than- being a
2: seven Enneagram.
0: <laughs> and, and in that sense, we become like actually socially dependent on it. And when you don't have those kinds of connections, like we've talked about in other episodes, it can really harm your mental health too, mm-hmm. like feeling isolated and alone looking up news information on the internet to see what's going on culturally um, is another thing that like you would need to leave a data footprint behind to be able to do unless you're going out to newsstands. So it's become such a place that unless you are incredibly on top of and actively seeking out ways, we are actually can be harmed by not being able to access different things. And with that, we'll take a quick break.
2: We'll be right back. And welcome to the segment called Words Are Hard with Candice, where I share an interesting word or phrase. Today's word is griffinage. Griffinage means illegible handwriting or carelessly written scribbles. It comes from the Middle French, griffoner to scribble. It's comprised of the word griffin, meaning stylus, and griffé, meaning claw. One notorious example of griffinage would be doctor's prescriptions. Griffinage.
0: Welcome back. Before our break, we were talking about how um, it's almost impossible to live without a data footprint from jobs to social connections to understanding the um, cultural things that are happening in the world around us. And Candace had something to add.
2: It reminded me of uh, one of the tensions in dystopian novels and in um, really volatile, unstable societies, which is that people think that they have to choose between privacy and security Mm. but i think there's a third option which is what we have all in in the digital age fallen into which is either efficiency or connectivity Mm. and i think that we're drifting away from privacy and towards just security and, and connectivity and even even efficiency like the um I watched a uh, clip from the Patriot Act on Netflix talking about uh, the effects of COVID so far. Mm-hmm. And one of the problems that the U.S. is now having is uh, the supply chain breakdown. The fact that there everything, in the, when it gets made, you choose either to have your uh, process for making products to be totally efficient or... Uh, totally stable. You can't, it can't be efficient and stable. It, you have to choose between one of the two. And so the more you drift towards efficient, uh, quick, fast processing, the, the more brittle that uh, supply chain becomes. Mm -hmm. So in the meat industry, as soon as uh, meat factories were shut down during COVID, then, um, all of the animals that were on a schedule to go into the meat factories had to stay on the farms and are being slaughtered right now, but the meat's not going anywhere, and there's no meat in the factories. The like I think Trump just signed an executive order a couple of weeks ago that was, um, it's normally used in wartime to make companies stay open, but he did it just for the meat factories, and he kind of claimed that it was just to have liability protection against the people who work in the meat factories suing the company all that to say that when you when we make a society that's built off of all of the connections that our phones make and all of the ways that we can purchase objects online and have them delivered directly to our door we can track them step by step the moment anything enters into that and disrupts it we've made our society so efficient in the supply chain that the US is really breaking down right now as far as that goes and yeah. that's that's all built on data that's right, built right. on seeing how our pieces connect together
1: and i think as teachers i think i've had a fears like what if right when i'm starting my class the internet goes out mm. and i have no way of you know and it's kind of terrifying to think about cuz so much of our life is dependent on being able to access things like google drive google classroom yeah. slides mm. casting thing on the things on the tv like and sometimes we, like, we take it for granted that it's just like, oh, there it is. And kids can turn things in digitally and all this kind of stuff. And we can have online classes. But then, yeah, if something falls apart, if some, like, if Google Drive drops.
2: Which would be terrifying. Which would be
1: catastrophic. Yeah. Yes. That's that's just crazy.
2: Like, I can imagine the number of companies, the number of banks mm-hmm. that have information stored, which I'm sure that they like banks have a separate system, but, and I know that like the military has a separate system. It's not Google drive, but like a similar idea where you like, I know that the CIA recently in like the, the national security, like what do you call that? National security association, the, the the overarching umbrella of all the security groups in the government, they were in the last 10 years trying to combine all of their, Intel into one database, right. and so imagine if that one database got corrupted.
0: Well, and that happened in what 2016, 2015-ish, where all of Target's customer information, including credit card Don't numbers leak. and all of that, yeah. got leaked, and people had their cards like hacked. Like people were able to to um, use that information, the credit card information and stuff from Target. But it all and it also happened on a. Some sort of a like an escort website i don 't mm-hmm. really know a lot about it, but the Ashley Madison thing oh, that yeah. when that happened, and a lot of people had private information that they put on there because of the kind of website that it is <laughs> um getting leaked and names going out of something that they thought was going to be private, but because our data should belong to us but doesn't really ultimately belong to us mm-hmm. right it's easy it can be easily taken mm. when we keep it on the web
2: that's I think partly why outrage is so high whenever banks don't have money you, because it's a, it's a contract between us and the banks that says we let you hold our money and and you hold it for us and charge us interest but that's with the the contract stipulation that you will give us back our money if we ask for it so then when the banks close and say like when when there's a rush on cash or um, when the the economy like crashes then banks say, Oh, we don't have any more money. We're closing our doors. And people are like, what on earth? You've broken the contract. The one thing that is the reason that you exist, you've broken it.
0: So because of all of this like information and the way that it's being used and being found and mined and used, we're kind of in, a, a, in like a standoff situation. Um, between we have the hardware like Fitbit smart devices and the software which was like the data collecting so that's like your iTunes your Spotify and your Facebook but then also the regulations and laws right to keep us safe right and as soon as one one adjusts the other two adjust fast um, kind of keeping keeping everything in the balance that it is as it is right now, which is most places have a right to our data. Um, we give consent through our terms, terms, and and conditions. terms and conditions, even though a lot of them are, would be considered difficult for the average or even like your general above average person to understand. There was something that was came out like there's 36 pages to iTunes, terms and agreements and if it took seven lawyers would take seven lawyers seven days to be able to actually tell you exactly what you're giving up when you click on the agreement, like it's that kind of convoluted Mm. legal. So it's not meant
2: to be clear.
0: It's not meant to be clear. It's meant to be
2: debated in court.
0: Right. And to come down on the side That's um, why
1: I use Spotify.
0: Spotify is actually one of the worst. Spotify (laughs) Spotify Spotify and Facebook are two of the worst for data selling. Um, mm. Because you give up. When you when you sign up to both of those and you're listening to the types of music you're listening to, where you're listening to it, and they create all those wonderful things, the curated lists and mm. whatnot, the types of music, when you listen to it, all of that. Oh, man. Which That's we sort of appreciate
1: like without thinking. Right. We're like, oh, wow, they know what I like.
0: And you're like, yeah, Spotify. Oh, wow, they
1: know what I
2: like. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I've been wondering how the ads that come through on my Instagram are like recently all of the ads in between Insta stories have been Spotify new artists that match my current taste in music
0: because of data mining Man, and brokerage weird. which like and i would say like that's i mean i'm
1: i'm okay with that like i'm I, okay with them knowing my taste in music so they're like oh try this new artist and i'm like oh
0: I will say that there's been a few things that I've purchased in my life that have been because of targeted Facebook, specifically Facebook ads that have been some of my like favorite things. Like I got a really a couple really cool bracelets and I got a couple cool shirts that are just like like I love them. They're things that I really love. But I never would have come across them in a million years if it hadn't been for these targeted ads. Mm-hmm. So it's not again, it's not all bad until it's bad it's all okay Mm, until it goes south and one of the ways that it goes south is in some of these terms and conditions when they're selling your data they can because they're not just mining it they're also going through there's they're mining it and then throwing it through a cycle they're kind of washing it in a sense what happens is your data gets collected because you've signed up for facebook or spotify imagining
2: our data points as socks
0: now Right. So, right, your your socks that have your name on them, right, and all the things that you like. Thrown inside you, that sock. It th- <laughs> gets thrown in a washing machine. And in the washing machine, the first thing that gets done during this data collection, the good news is it gets an- an- anonymized. An- anonymous? Made anonymous. Made yeah. anonymous. So they just
1: treat it as a data point.
0: So they take your name and your personal information off of it. Most of the time, that means your social security number. Unfortunately, not all the time. It oh. depends on the type of data collection that's happening. That's terrifying. So then it gets bought and sold. And that's, I think, kind of like where I have personally have my issue with it is then this company, Spotify, Facebook, Apple, whatever, insert anything that collects a binary code, has your information and then sells it to another company. So Spotify sells it to Facebook or Facebook sells it to, Apple, whatever, with this information. And then it gets analyzed, often by AI, sometimes by people. And then it gets recompiled. And that is another part of the scary part, is when they're recompiling it, they're looking at all of the data of all of the points in the world, and they can see whatever your like IP address or whatever. And they're like, all of these points of data match this person this digital person even though it doesn't have your information on it anymore and they sell it back to you through advertisements oh. so that's where the targeted advertisements come from is this whole process it's it's actually kind of like a, a waste of time in a sense but it's a cap it's kind of a capitalistic thing right so it's getting collected for free we don't pay or facebook isn't buying it from us they're collecting it from us at no cost mm-hmm. then they're in a nom- they're doing all the pieces and then they're selling it for profit to another company who is buying it to analyze it to recompile it to then sell it to someone to then sell it back to you where Ultimately, there there's a whole, as like a mini tangent. So this is like a, they would call, the, that's called the 358 degree circle. It's not a 360 degree circle because the only way that it actually works through the advertisement is if you like, oh, I see that cool bracelet or I see this Spotify, whatever. And I see this thing that I'm now going to buy because I've seen it. If you don't buy it, then it was a kind of the whole process was a waste, was a waste from the, it being bought to it being advertised. That part of it was a waste. Whereas another way that it could work is called a dismediation. It's the way Uber works. It's the way Airbnb works where you connect a person with a service. Mm. Airbnb doesn't own any properties, but they can connect you to someone who does own a property and and the money goes more directly to them, right? That kind of a thing, the dismediation where you take your data and you're like, I really need a new pair of socks. I really like J Crew socks. Hey J Crew, here is all of the information, all of my information, my size, where I normally do my shopping. Here's the mm-hmm. color I like. Here's all of these things you can have it, and they're like, awesome, come into this store that's right over here by where you normally like it and we'll give you 20% off. They've saved money on the buying and selling of your data and they've saved money on your advertisement and its immediate benefit, but it doesn't go that way because it doesn't give the most people, the the people who are mining your data or who taking your data, doesn't give them the profit and it's against their best interest to let us own it because if we could own our data, they wouldn't be able to monetize off of our data.
1: And with that, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Welcome to Jokes and Jocular Facts with James. Today's joke is What's the definition of a will? Come on, guys, it's a dead giveaway. Today's jocular fact is Paganophobia is the fear of beards. You probably know your fair share of men who sport some sort of facial hair, but if you suffer from Paganophobia, the fear of beards, then you'd rather avoid them. And it turns out this fear could be justified. A 2018 study published in the journal European Radiology suggests that beards contain significantly higher amounts of bacteria than dogs do. This has been Jokes and Jocular Facts with James. Catch you next time.
0: And welcome back. Right before the break, we were talking about kind of the 350 degree circle of the between 58 data collection, 358 degree yeah. data collection and um, mining and advertisement circle that happens with us when people have our information. Candace had a question.
2: Do you think that the companies that are doing this data mining and collecting are warranted in doing so if we have signed the terms and conditions?
0: I think that... We have given up a lot of... I think going back to what James actually said at the beginning, we have given up a lot of our privacy without realizing what we were actually giving up. I think that now that we're more aware of what is being taken from us and how it is being used, there needs to be maybe a more global or... um, country by country conversation about how it is being collected and used and it needs to stop being buried in and legalese terms and conditions that are hard for people to understand as they're going mm. going through information um, I think it needs to be now that now that we under have a better understanding of what's going on it needs to be more upfront um, because it is not it's kind of happening and you know, quiet, closed boardrooms and and exchanges of money that are not necessarily hurting us, but they can because the more our information is out there, the more it can be taken for harmed.
2: That reminded me of um, the director of national intelligence, or former, he's retired now, uh, James Clapper. He talked about in his book, Facts and Fears, Hard Truths from a Life of National Intelligence, or Life in Intelligence. He talked about this... um, a, this terrifying point about America's elect, electoral system or election that happened in 2016. He said that the, the hard part about what happened is that it is directly mirroring what America does in other elections worldwide Routinely, routinely, America interferes with other elections by uh, feeding information to the populace using data points to to like encourage revolution or encourage this one leader to come to power because this one is pro democracy versus another one. And then Russia did the same thing essentially in reverse to us. They uh, encouraged um, there there were Russian like uh, agents set aside to run fake. Facebook profile pages that were sharing uh, Trump information. And it sounds like I'm making this up or this is a, um, like a hearsay conspiracy thing, theory. conspiracy theory, but he is the director of national intelligence and was collecting information on this. And he also kind of talked about his torn, his, his tension of realizing that we're collecting data. Um, abroad, but then the data was getting collected on us and we didn't realize it, even at the level of national intelligence. Right. He, he was like, it was so deep that they didn't catch it because we were like the national intelligence groups in the US were focused on collecting data outside. They're not focused on turning in its own citizens. So when its own citizens were being uh, targeted with, with specific ads by another country's government to make them vote for a certain person, then it, it we didn't see it because we weren't expecting anyone to go back at us.
0: There is a really good Netflix documentary about that. It's called The Great Hack. Mm. Um, it's really, really worth the watch. It go kind of goes in and explains all of the different pieces of it. It, it is terrifying and fascinating at the same time. Yeah. Um,
1: what if we thought about our privacy not as a right but as an asset, Mm. which we can invest in digital services. I think that might help us think more carefully about what we give up our privacy for if we think of it actively as this is like part, this is, I don't want to say property, but this is an asset that I have and I'm giving it up in exchange for something else. and mm -hmm. I think that would give more weight to the decisions that we make, just clicking accept um, and kind of going back to that thing, I don't know if you guys remember when we were talking about during our space series. We talked about private companies owning space and how they would just like launch people up there without like. I think you gave an example of uh, hiking the Mount Everest yeah. and mm-hmm. the idea of like um, companies not giving not, the full safety, not being brief. straightforward about what. Exactly were the risks or what exactly were like the conditions of the contract, and I think my I think I would apply my same response in that scenario here in saying that the responsibility belongs to two people the maker of the contract and the signer of the contract, because I think as consumers we need to be aware of how valuable our assets are in terms of our digital footprint, but we also need to be aware of how they might be used, and I think it's on the company to be clear about that. Instead of writing a crazy, you know, however long the Facebook or
0: I, w- I think it was iTunes, and it was like how, thirty-six yeah. pages.
1: Yeah, like that's not very, that's not very transparent.
2: I yeah. actually tried to read it when I remember downloading iTunes on my dad's laptop with my sister back in the late two thousands and it took 24 hours to download. But before we started it, I remember trying to read the terms and conditions because I was concerned we were selling our souls. I was like, I don't know what this is. What is this? It was my very first terms and conditions.
0: That is awesome. And little did you know you were selling your soul a little bit. You're selling your digital assets, my digital soul. Um, I think before we're done to, there's another thing that I kind of want to bring up with y'all. Um, I want to talk about the dark web a little Ooh. bit. So the dark web gets a really bad rap um, for, for a lot of reasons. One of the reasons is it is a actual platform out there that is used for some bad things, some nefarious things. Um, it is used for, there is distribution of child pornography on it, and there is the selling of uh, illegal drugs that happens on it. However, um, there's a lot more than just that. Uh, with with the dark web, so the dark web is a um, uses secure browsers um, to make sure that nothing, none of your data points can get tracked on the dark web, um, which like a is VPN like kind of thing. More more, more than more that, okay. and there's really no way to back into it. The only way that when you're on the dark web that your data can be taken is if you give it right. So if you actually are legitimately supplying it to a person that's how your data goes and that is how the fbi and other other agencies for security catch criminals who are using the dark web now the dark web has been really demonized it's actually crime it's one of the worst places to commit crime because it is incredibly heavily monitored by the fbi all kinds of different rings it is the the least safe place to commit any kind of a crime Um, But it also has no... The reason it has been demonized is because it has no backdoor traps that are put out there to collect for government to collect information. So one of the people who collects data on us are the um, NSA and the FBI and a few other safety agencies collect your data while you're on the computer. That's but, why But they collect it. I that was actually
2: a point in his book was he was accused in a I'm sorry to interrupt you no, just, no, it just why? made me think of it. He was accused in an interview without realizing what he was he was answering. Answering and he accidentally lied under oath. Well, not technically under oath. It was just in a um, press con- or Not a press conference. It was just like a, a hearing. And in the hearing, they asked him, is the government collecting data on its citizens um, without their knowledge? And he said, no, but it's technically yes. And he realized later his mistake because there's this, there's this um, clause in, in law that says that the government could collect phone records and, and other anonymous points of data that are already wiped clean and the reason being so that if a terrorist for example um, called someone in the u.s and were arranging for a pickup for something then if they had other information that said what time that call was made they could triangulate and figure out that person's location basically and then they could go in and do more uh, searching to figure out who was that person but it doesn't they don't actually collect information about Abigail Nelson. They're not they're not looking for you. They instead collect points of time and duration of phone calls, duration of data points at certain places.
0: The the problem with that is though that because they have enough information to be able to peg it to you, right? Mm-hmm. Because of the recompiling of how data goes, mm-hmm. it can be assigned it can be assigned to you. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So, I want to go back to the, the dark web real quick. There's no way easily for any points of data to be configured on it at all. Okay? That's what again, that's what makes it kind of like a nefarious place, but it's also um, what makes it one of the most private places on the internet. So in 2015-ish, there was this uh, University of Austin, I think, grad, Ross Ulbricht, who set up a secure anonymous online market called the Silk Road. It was a platform um, for buying and selling of goods. 90% of it was normal, everyday Amazon-type stuff, where people were able to upload what they had and do it, with the majority of things being kind of above board. It, they was also selling. There was also drugs being sold on there, of course, because it is the, an anonymous place. It will happen, and it was an alignment between this private, secure web site and Bitcoin together to be able to kind of like be able to have these anonymous transactions to do it. He got busted in 2014-15, and he was convicted and put in prison for. Um, conspiracy-to-traffic narcotics, computer hacking, and money laundering. Technically, he was doing none of those things. He had Mm. just set up the same way that Jeff Bezos set up Amazon. He had just done it on an anonymous platform that wasn't able to be easily tracked. He was sentenced to life in prison. Wow. Um, And the time that it had all... And he's still in prison. He's appealed it three times, and they've given him no time after life in prison with no possibility of parole. Wow. Um, He kind of got caught in 2015, right? the big the three headed beast right that America cares so much about the cyber war the war on drugs Mm. and financial regulations Mm -hmm. so he kind of was convicted on all Mm. three of them he was also convicted on five points of Like soliciting homicide, like for hiring hitmen, but all of that was proven to be false. No one had committed any kind of hired a hitman on Mm -hmm. his site, and actually, there's no evidence to say that anyone has ever hired a hitman ever on the dark web. But that's like one of the first things that we're told that you can find, Hmm. right? And and through all of this stuff, the majority of people involved were political activists who were thinking that who, who believe that the government on our regular web has so much of our privacy and our information that the only way for us to be able to like exist without being monitored, regardless of if it's monitored to Abigail Nelson with my social security number Mm -hmm. or to my IP address at my computer Mm -hmm. and pinged location, it, right? makes, it makes sense, though, because think about businesses like
2: whenever you want to open a business on the street, you can't just open up your truck and sell stuff out the back. I mean, you can in Taiwan, but I don't <laughs> know. I assume that there's a permit process still in Taiwan even sometimes with like working your truck at a night market with all of your food out. You would still need some sort of permit from the government and I, the government does the same thing when it's a physical business. I think it's probably just, it sounds like that's the translation of it to online.
0: And I think that, and that is where I think our information that point right there is whether, because our our human information, I get to go and apply for my permit. I get to choose to go to Target, but we mm. live in a word a world now where I don't really have a lot of choice as to whether or not I'm going to be online because mm. I don't really have a lot of say as to whether I'm going to use a Gmail account because that is my my. Given account for my job, and I don't really have a say as to whether or not my banking information is going to be online unless I close out all of my bank accounts. I don't mm. I have to have some of these things to exist in a world and to have all these back doors open where security, because if the government can look at it, so can hackers. Mm. and and to be able to have that anonymity and privacy, Right. Being able to go into this place is been so demonized in media for the reasons of the lack of being able to monitor our activity is like one of the main reasons why it is so, oh, the dark web, this and the dark web, yeah, that. Yes, you could find those things. Yes, that's where they exist on the Internet. But that's not... That's not the main thing that it is for. Mm. Um, I think we've come really close to the end of this episode. It's kind of long, but just to end it up, what are y'all's feelings or thoughts?
2: I think that we have made our bed and now we must lie in it. Or they need to rebuild the bed entirely. We need to make the system over.
1: I think we just need to be careful of what we do online. And I think we need to treat privacy as an asset and not expect it to be somehow honored by corporations because we voluntarily give up our data and our information. I think it's kind of awesome that we live in a world where we have such efficiency and such information and connectedness and social media and all that kind of stuff. And sometimes we just think of it as like, oh, it's just great and it's awesome, but there's a dark side. Be careful what you do on the internet, kids.
0: And I think that even though we, like Candace said, we kind of have made our bed and now we're lying in it. Um, I do think that this conversation needs to be continuously revisited by us as our population pushing up, because our information is sitting out there and it's just it's just there to be exploited either for profit for companies or by government agencies.
1: And once again, you've reached the inconclusive end of The Inconclusive Podcast.
2: Sharing is caring. If you like this episode, please share it with your friends and family.
0: Also, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Inconclusive Podcast. Talk to you next time.